Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Dom and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and I can't think of anything. Hashtag exhausted. Sure. Ready for divorce. <laughs> oh, Hashtag uh, ready for divorce. Yeah. Hashtag post-divorce. What was? Yeah. I'm pre-divorce. I mean, I don't know. I'm so, I'm sort of like I'm post-pre-divorce. Right. Have you always? I mean, Sarah, I'm sure you've In always. A way we're all yeah. post. Yeah. Divorce. I mean, you've always dreamed about what your second husband would be like, right? Do all women do. usually. Um, do they do better the second time around? I mean, you you do if it's like an abusive husband, like it was a really mismatch. But otherwise. Like men have like second worse. Everybody does second worse. Even even like well, wealthy men might do better, right? Well, they'll do or younger. No. They'll do. I mean, younger. it depends right. on your on how you're measuring on what that. you think is better. Yeah. Um, mm. I don't know, but do, I I I don't know actually. Don't the statistics do show that second marriages don't are, are less successful than first? I mean, but how can that be? Because by definition, <laughs> first marriages. If you're on a second marriage, by definition, your first marriage is quote-unquote failed so i think it would be like out of the people that have that that were that that have a first marriage what's the percentage that fails and then out of the people that get married again what's the percentage that fails i would expect that second group to be larger just because it's coming from a group of people who already failed at one marriage mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know um all right well we're going to talk about marriage a lot we're going to talk oh uh, about we're going to in, in a in a few minutes talk about the thing that's on everybody's lips which is this piece in New York magazine's The Cut by the writer Emily Gould um about uh her and maybe divorce how she was thinking of divorcing her husband we've a lot to say about that but first i want to say that last night i went to a screening the world premiere of the movie version of the coddling of the American mind, mm. uh, the classic Jonathan Haidt, Greg Lukianoff book from when was it from 2018 or so several years ago now is now a documentary and uh, it's made by uh, Ted Balaker as the director, his wife, Courtney Balaker is the producer and it's excellent. It's yeah. really, really well done. They did an incredible job. So what was it like the book? Do you do you remember? I mean, I yeah, read I mean, it I so read long the book. ago. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it was really good because they they extrapolate from the book. I mean, it's the focus is the mental health crisis of Gen Z. Mm. Um and they take a handful of uh young people, people, you know, sort of recently out of college, people in their uh probably early 20s and sort of follow them. They have different experiences going into college and the sort of common theme is that these were really well-adjusted, obviously very bright kids um, who went into college and basically in many cases, almost immediately started having mental health problems. In mm -hmm. one case, there was a young woman who already had had mental health issues. She had actually been um, an inpatient psychiatric ward 
at least once, I think maybe twice. And, um, you know, and she says she went into, you know, she had all these issues. She was on the spectrum, uh, ended up going to Stanford mm. and actually realizing that like all of the tools that she'd learned in the psych ward about how to kind of deal with her issues and cope with life were almost discouraged at Stanford. Um, so, so the premise is that this generation of kids is essentially being taught that, um, to catastrophize, for instance, and that every little sort of moment of discomfort has to do with some kind of systemic oppression. Um, and obviously these are, these ideas are kind of codified by therapy culture. And then there's all kinds of psychiatric meds, which they didn't get into as much. Um, but it was really well done and it was not, um, it was not partisan. I mean, it was truly a, a heterodox film. I know I have mixed feelings about that term as I, you probably do too, but, um, it was, it was not like red meat at all. Um, it was like, not the kind of thing that you would see kind of just, you know, like on somebody's YouTube channel, it was, it was very balanced. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's notable that it's actually streaming on Substack. This is the first ever mm. film to be released and, um, distributed, by being streamed on Substack. So anyway. Amazing. Substack Productions. Yeah. Just distribution anyway. Yeah. And this was the big, this was the world premiere last night. It was in Beverly Hills at a, a theater. Um, all the, uh, all the heterodoxy of uh, Los Angeles were, were there. Uh, John Cleese was there. Jo Greg Lukianoff was there. So Greg, Greg and jo John Hyde and Greg Lukianoff are prominently featured in the film and greg you know has talked about his own pretty serious mental health struggles i mean he was suicidal he had a lot of a lot of depression and you know this is something that he's he's written about so he talks about that very movingly in the film um and there was a, a q a afterward um but there's one thing i actually thought of you and i i really i want to i want you to see the film another time and we'll talk about this another time but i'm curious what you think about this you know there were there were several students featured in the film who were students of color. Um, they were all international students. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, incredibly charismatic. There was a girl named Kimmy mm -hmm. who was, um, you know, she was an arts student. She had come from Uganda. Um, you know, she spoke, she had been like a social justice warrior. I mean, she, she'd shown up in the U S as just like a normal person. <laughs> and then she got to college and, got really embroiled in the social justice stuff. Um, and so she kind of talks about her, her unawokening process, but you know, there were a couple white kids, but the kids of color were, I think all international students, either from India or Africa. Hmm. And I thought that was fascinating. And what were they, these were the case studies of like, what they went were, wrong or they were the heterodox people like okay, they, they were, were the, the people who were willing to talk about mm. this um mm -hmm. this kind of programming and deprogramming mm -hmm. and i want and i i would like to actually uh, have uh have the director have ted and courtney maybe on my show to talk about it but i'm wondering if they had a hard time finding like african-americans to mm -hmm. talk about this because these were africans mm -hmm. right very different mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's hard 
if you're plugged into that system early and then there's just no other kind of options for you, like growing up in an immigrant community, there's an entire like competing set of values. You know, there's like the dominant culture and what it's the meritocracy and what it wants from you. And, you know, my parents, <laughs> like my, mm-hmm. my, you know, and my, my grandparents and all these people who come from a very different kind of world with very different assumptions. And that culture is alive to me, you know, because it's, it's, it was when I would get home from school, that would be the world that I would be living in. So I think maybe it's just, perhaps it's just easier to see the problems in yeah. the dominant culture. If you're used to seeing things, you know, putting on one lens and putting on another lens, it makes you feel as if, okay, these things are, it, it's, this is not gospel. You know, right. none of the, the these values are not gospel. I'm I'm allowed to examine them because to some degree, immigrant kids pick and choose, which yes. means you're analyzing it to some degree. Um, and right, I, I, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Okay, I I look forward to yeah. watching it. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them were South Asian. There was a kid from from India who had been like very active. He was at a small college in Michigan, and he had kind of been like the James uh, Damar of this college. Like, Uh-oh. you know, kind of wrote an open letter about about the um, <laughs> you know hit send, hit send on on an email to all about the kind of misapplied DEI. Um, approach uh among the students and faculty and you know it was immediately tarred as as problematic but i just i i wonder if there if the social penalties for like actual american kids of color would have just been so much that they couldn't possibly get involved so yeah maybe that's part of it and i i i'm sure that is at least a little bit of what is going on but i i think we all get punished i think with immigrants like i i feel like i've I'm just not yeah. welcome in the same kind of, uh, you know, up and coming um, striver class of immigrant minorities. Like I'm still, you know, a bad odor there, although they understand where I'm coming from in a way that second generation, you know, it, people who are sort of separated from those immigrant cultures don't. So I think with the South Asian kid, was he a second gen? Do you know, like. No, he just... lived in India. He came. Yeah, yeah, okay. He was an international student. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, that's but what it's, I'm saying. It's, it's when yeah. they become that second generation right. where they, they become woker than woke. You know, <laughs> they, it's yeah. um, the dynamics of that are really interesting to me. Uh, but the but the second gens drive me crazy because they're they're so obnoxious. Um, it's even worse when they're South Asian because they tend to come from privileged backgrounds, and then for them to come here and say and you know talk about white supremacy um or all this is a Syrah Rao thing you know <laughs> right right yeah yeah um it was it was uh, it was really it was really moving uh, the film was also just really funny like the way mm. they were describing mm-hmm. how woke they had been at one point a couple of them and it was just they were very funny about it um and uh so it was it was it was entertaining as well as informative. So I, I hope it goes well. I mean, looks like they're going to have screenings um, on various campuses. Um, and I think it, it, I, I would be very interested to see how students, currently enrolled students, react or if there will be protests or whatever. It's I mean, it is about as even handed as you could get. That doesn't so, matter. 
<laughs> that doesn't matter. But having said that, I think it might be that they have, I mean, I, I, as I get further and further away from my college days, um, I don't know if I have like a, a hand on the pulse, finger on the pulse, but whatever. Hand I, on I, the, you got your whole hand on the pulse. You, sure. You're more than the a finger small on hand. the pulse. You've got okay. your entire left side. Entire, of the my my entire body is like wrapped yeah. up around just, the pulse. Just half. Just, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, um, it feels to me as if they're jaded a little bit. Um, at the same time, they don't have any other options. Like they don't have any other, we talked about this with Sam Harris a little bit. He was, he was on your page. He was a little more optimistic than I was <laughs> about that, mm-hmm. which was interesting. I mean, I thought that was, cause I think that was an, that's a generational thing there. It is. He and I are more of the same age. Yeah. You yeah. guys are the same age. Right? He's old. No, he is He's older old. okay. than oh, I am. Whoa. Like okay. by at least a few years, which is okay. a lot. Okay. It's a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I want you to see it so we can talk about it more. But yeah. Anyway. Okay. It's, Great. It's well, so can, yeah. we, can we watch it now on Substack if we wanted to? Is yes. It just, get... yeah. We're recording this on February 22nd and it, uh, it went out lot. It's streaming as of today. Cool. So people can watch it. I think they have to subscribe. I think they have to. I'm not sure the that's the monetary okay. situation, but they should. That's interesting. They mm. should mm-hmm. a subscription or just like a one time. Well, it looks like you have to. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to. Uh, okay. All right. I don't. Okay. I think we'll you may have to pay a, a small fee. Okay. But believe me, it's better. Can than we launch our own like production theater. company? Um, Substack? I got. We got so much going on. Yeah. Hel- hellish production. No, that's too. That's too cute. Yeah. I think we should um I think we should option all of the essays from the the, the personal essays of of the millennial oh, women complaining about their lives and and turn them into films. Mm. Uh and that oh. actually that will be that would be a money maker. Or we could dramatize them. You and I could do like a yes. reenactment, like a dramatic reenactment. Oh yeah. Uh who gets to be Emily called. Gould? I would like to he- see you playing the role of Emily Gould. Like if you were forced, ah, if you were forced to be in her position and you had to, act, this is like an acting, it's like an improv exercise, but also a sort of steel manning kind of thing, hmm. or star manning or whatever, man, mansplainy thing. I, I'm not terrible at acting. I can do that. I can show sure myself great. in the, mm-hmm. I took like an acting class. You it did. was very, it was very interesting. Um, and I, I was in a little play, and I played a you man. Were a play, yeah. What I mean, play? It, the, like two people were. It was. It. I don't even. Was it a play? No, it was the just musical? a series of scenes. No, it was a series oh. of scenes, and but we were just doing it in, in front of a group of people. No, yeah. I, I did a lot of acting when I was. Oh, you I did. In, yeah. Of oh, course. absolutely. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a. I, I liked it. It was fun. I thought about. I thought it was. Um, it was a nice little break. You could still go into acting. Uh, okay. I'm not um, willing to get naked on television. So I think that's my, oh, or make out with anybody. But that's why they have body doubles. Well, okay. Well, if the wife and mother thing doesn't work out for you, you could become a movie star. So, all right. So we're going to talk about uh, this essay that was in uh, the cut, which is the, it's a, the digital appendage of New York magazine written by one Emily Gould, who uh, is um, somebody, she's a personal essayist. She's also published a novel. She's, she's published a handful of books. She's very much a member of the literary 
quote unquote community. Um, she's in her forties now, probably her early forties. So she's been, um, around for a while Mm -hmm. and she's married to Keith Gessen, who, um, is also a writer. He was one of the founders of N plus one, very uh, prestigious literary magazine was very hip, uh, maybe whenever it started about 15, 20 years ago. Um, and he, uh, for what it's worth, is the brother of Masha Gessen, the uh, New Yorker writer. They are Russian. Uh, they they immigrated from Russia as children with their parents. Uh, so anyway, everybody's very intense. This is a bunch of intense people. Keith and Emily are a literary couple. They've got two young sons and they live in Brooklyn. And Emily wrote a piece about how difficult this is. Mm-hmm. So let's start with you. What did you make of this? Wait, I, okay. I can give you, I have a lot of thoughts and there's like layers of them, but this piece, this was my first time reading anything from Emily Gould. I'm not interested at all in the literary community or what they have to say about things, but I just, what about this, me? This is not except for you, except for you're, you're my, mm-hmm. you're like, um, you know how people say like they'll be there's like that one person that'd be token? Like, no. Uh, I'm a token? No, no. Oh, no. I'm the exception that proves the rule. You you you're just like the exception, like like uh the the one person that you'd go, you'd be like, "Okay, I'd be gay." Oh. If it was Brad Pitt, I'd be like it's like that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, I'm your Jodie Foster. Okay. Yes. All right, we we should say that um th- this piece is called The Lure of Divorce. The subtitle is seven years into my marriage, I hit a breaking point and had to decide whether life would be better without my husband in it. It's do you want me long. to read? Yeah. Do you want me to read a little bit from the first paragraph so you can yeah. kind of settle into it? Okay. So this is the opening. It's a long article. It's probably 5,000 words. And just by the way, I think it, um, I, I, she announced that she has a book coming out. My guess, I'm not sure, but my guess is that this was kind of, this it was kind of culled together by an, by an editor um, from a much, much longer manuscript. Um, so it's a little bit disjointed and I have a feeling that's, that's the reason, but I'm going to read the first paragraph. In the summer of 2022, I lost my mind. At first it seemed I was simply overwhelmed because life had become very difficult and I needed to, had every right to blow off some steam. Our family was losing its apartment and had to find another one fast in a rental market gone so wild that people were offering the asking, offering over the asking price on rent. My husband, Keith, was preparing to publish a book, Raising Rafi, about our son, a book he'd written with my support and permission, but that as publication loomed, I began to have mixed feelings about. To cope with the stress, I asked my psychiatrist to increase the dosage of the antidepressant I'd been on for years. Sometime around then, I started talking too fast and drinking a lot. Okay. I mean, that sounds like your life, Sarah. I think you're just, you're just, uh, you're just upset that she scooped you. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't help but see myself in, in these words. Um, so there was a lot of reaction. There were a lot of reactions about this online and I desperately wanted to have a very contrarian opinion <laughs> not too late well i you know uh look i'm gonna be honest with our with our listeners i couldn't manage it i had the reaction that i think a lot of people had at least initially 
thinking about it more, I've gotten grumpier. Um, but at first, it just felt like I'm reading the ramblings of a deeply selfish and a self-absorbed woman. I get that that was the point. I get that there's this is me being brutally honest about how awful I am and self-aware about, you know, all the ways that I uh, am not a perfect wife. Um, and and uh, I get that. I see it. But still, it. I guess I just didn't see the point, you know, like I'm going through all of this. I'm reading about her life. I'm watching her reconsider or reading about her reconsidering her marriage for reasons that make no sense to anybody, including, you know, her, I think afterwards. Um, but it felt very real to her at the time. And then she says that she has a mental breakdown. She gets um, she she checks herself in to an institution. Yeah, and, and, yes. And before that, she uh, I mean, she was in this real manic phase for a long time and so mm -hmm. at, at some point she decides to leave her husband and she sends a letter to like everyone on her email list or all her friends asking them to help crowdfund her her divorce um asking for donations and saying that she's going to check into rehab i mean she's also drinking a lot so she's, she's i think she's also drinking she's she's also she's got alcoholism and um uh mental health issues so right yeah and then uh then the rest of the piece is sort of her and her husband coming together again, uh, deciding to give it another go in various ways. Uh, and that was, uh, that was it. It looks like they're starting to patch things up. Well, we don't know. I mean, it's good in that it's different from some of the, you know, yay, you go girl, I'm getting a divorce and I'm awesome because of it. Mm. Uh, you know, it's very different from that um, uh, kind of a piece because she is clearly not, you know, the the good guy here. Maybe she's not the bad guy, but she's definitely not the good guy. Um, and that they are deciding to put it, you know, work on it anyway um, and work through their their issues anyway. So that that makes it different. Having said that, I really felt like I read so many pages um and got nowhere you know i i was there anything profound no did she find should she have a new insight about what marriage is and what motherhood is no it's the exact it's it's exactly what you think it's gonna be you know motherhood is hard and a lot of caretaking duties fall on women especially women who don't work full-time and like are freelancing and their jobs don't actually uh, you know, pay for everybody's pay for the rent for the family. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and that's overwhelming. Okay. Um, so I kind of felt like I went through something. I, I watched somebody who's not a great person have an experience that is fairly mundane. I mean, she totally went crazy. So that's not entirely normal, but you hear of people who are like that, you know, that happens. Like it's not, outrageous that someone has kind of a breakdown especially if they are on all kinds of medications and they're drinking a lot then it seems like it seems like she was kind of creating an atmosphere <laughs> for a mental breakdown um and uh and and then they they patch things up 
uh, it was kind of boring. So I I felt like at times I was angry and uh, with this woman and feeling kind of a disgust um, at her beha- at, at her behavior. Um, and then then I was bored and then I was disgusted again and then I was bored again. And then at the end of it, well, I that just sounds felt, like a, a roller coaster. You say this like it's a negative thing. Yeah, I, I, I just felt, felt like, why did I read all that? <laughs> why did I? I mean, I, I know why I did it because we're going to talk about it on the podcast. So yeah. It was homework. I did it because it was homework. <laughs> but if right. it wasn't homework, I would have never right. wanted to hear what she had to say about marriage because she's not particularly wise or interesting. I think she's somebody who thinks of herself as very interesting. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from one more paragraph here. I built a case against my husband in my mind. This book of his was simply the culmination of a pattern. He had always put his career before mine. While I had tended to our children during the pandemic, he had written a book about parenting. I tried to balance writing my own novel with drop-offs, pick-offs, sick days, uh, pick Sorry, pick with drop offs, pick offs, sick days, pick offs. Drop offs and yeah. pick offs. Pick offs. That's <laughs> exactly why I don't have kids. With planning meals and shopping and cooking, most of which had always been my primary responsibility since I was a freelancer and Keith had a full time job teaching journalism. We were incompatible in every way except that we could talk to each other as we could to no one else. Mm-hmm. But that seemed beside the point. More relevant. I spent money like it was water, never budgeting, leaving Keith to make sure we made rent every month. Every few months, we'd have a fight about this and I'd vow to change. Some system would be put in place, but it never stuck. We were headed for disaster and finally it came. Okay. So look, (laughs) for the record, I was also primed to to hate this piece. So um, I was, uh, but I was, I have to say, um, you know, it's not like, my favorite piece I've ever read in my whole life, but I, I liked it much more than I thought I would. And, uh, it's, I think that what I, what I'm curious to like talk about with you is like why it is that some people are reading this as a lens into a particular kind of dynamic, um, that happens when people just get totally bogged down in their own pettiness and their own worst habits, their own worst habits of mind and what that's like in a marriage and what happens when you uh, talk about it in a, in a just completely brutally honest way. I mean, that this is a type of essay and, and I want to be clear, like I, I really hate confessional essays. So when I teach, actually, I make a big deal of this distinction between confessing and confiding. And this is actually a concept I stole from another writer, Emily Fox Gordon, who has a brilliant essay about this um, from several years ago. But I, what I like about this is that I feel that she's not confessing as much as she's, she's confiding in the reader. She's like saying, okay, I'm going to give you this like really, I mean, Sarah Heppola put it, you know, I think perfectly, this is the eye of the hurricane kind of like entry point. Sarah and Nancy talked about this on their podcast, Smoke Em If You Got Em, which I would re- recommend people listen to after they listen to this. Um, you know, there is something that you have to do in personal writing where you sort of ramp up the intensity and make yourself as the narrator seem more hysterical and manic and and crazed than you actually are 
because that's a literary effect. Um, and, you know, it lands for some readers and doesn't land for others. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not your kind of piece, obviously. Yeah. Cause I just don't understand why am I, is it, a, so as a reader, am I supposed to be entertained? Am I supposed, what am I supposed to feel? What am I supposed to get out of it mm -hmm. at the end of the day? Cause I didn't, unless you were the kind of person who's entertained by this or somehow this helps you understand your own world in, you know, a meaningful way. I don't understand what anyone gets out of it. You know, it's just, it feels like going through someone else's dirty laundry, but there's nothing, you know, I'm just going through mm -hmm. it and there's nothing to find, but an empty basket. And <laughs> that's kind of how I felt when I reached the end of it. I thought, Oh, that's it. So you just had a, so you just freaked out for no reason at your husband. And he seemed to have a horrible time throughout and begged you to stay and helped patch things up for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, now you're, you're working at things again. Okay. I'm sure yeah. lots of couples go through similar problems, you know, like maybe not that specific problem, not that insane kind of a problem, but just, you know, kind of an ordinary breakup of a relationship or a breakdown in communication that leads to this. Um, she, what was interesting to me is that she didn't have any insight. She didn't have any, it was, it was well-written, I guess, but for what per like, what was the purpose? Did it mean anything deeper mm -hmm. than that? Was it anything more than just nice words? Um, and I just couldn't find anything and it. I guess this is why I kind of stay away from this kind of the style of a, of, of a piece. And I see a lot of these in like, you know, New York mag and all these, you know, style sections of thing of, of other, other magazines and newspapers. And I just stay away from it because I worry that I'm about to read a lot of personal, like, like a lot of somebody's diary, mm -hmm. but not a particularly interesting or intelligent person. And I'm going to have wasted my time. It feels to me, we talked about a little bit about this last time, but it was about a different piece. Um, but it feels to me like this is highbrow reality TV. You know, mm. this is like, this is what the the, the people who, with master's degrees, you know, this is, this is what they, the, what they read when they want the same kind of fix that no, they watch reality lower too, i mean they, sure they they watch you. it too but it's like but i think it's um it's 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 you know kale chips is what this is it's still a snack <laughs> but it's it's kale chips kale. on the floor you know what i mean like there's it's it pretends it's something that it's not it's you know uh and, and i i i think the 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 response for it with that that a lot of people had was not about so much the writing. Um, in my case, it was like the purpose of it. Like, what am I, what's the big idea? Right. What's the big insight? What's so what, what yeah. have you taught me now? What have I felt that I've never felt before? What, you know, and it just didn't feel like there was nothing, anything new about it. Do you, do you think that there is value to writing this sort of piece about seemingly prosaic sorts of lives? I mean, what I do think that she's capturing something, there's there's a particular dynamic that goes on 
in marriages, especially people with young kids who are trying to live creative lives. I mean, she's talking about a very particular kind of thing in a, in a way that people often don't talk about it. I think this, this is a kind of piece that I think when it, when it super succeeds, and I don't think this is by any means a, a completely successful piece. Um, but like what you want to do with this sort of piece is try to isolate some kind of phenomenon. Like, you know, it would be like, well, there is this idea of the perfect Brooklyn literary couple and they live in a brownstone and they have kids and their place, you know, their, their house looks amazing and they both sit at their desks and write and the nanny comes or the, or the, or the kids, you know, play on the floor perfectly. And, and, you know, everything is, everything is perfect. Like there is a fantasy of this kind of life hmm. and it's unachievable. Um, and so there is to me like a value in writing about how you tried to achieve this, or you had some idea about this in your mind and, and you fell so radically short, like you fell short of it in such spectacular fashion. Um, and I think that there could be a good story in that. Mm -hmm. I, I guess it's possible, but I individually, I, I never looked at a couple like her, like her. Right. Her, That's and, a particular I, I would never look at them and think they have a healthy, you know, handle on anything. Um, and maybe that's not most people. Maybe most people do look at, you know, I don't know what to call her. What kind of class is she in? Oh, this she, is X class. Feel like this is X class, as Paul Fussell would say. From yeah. Our, the, our, right. our book, we're going to talk about class. Well, okay. But I mean, like, um, you know, like Nora Ephron's memoir, Heartburn, for instance. Mm. So that was about her marriage to Carl Bernstein, um, the Watergate reporter, you know, famous journalist who was Woodward and Bernstein Watergate team. Um, and she just had this like disastrous marriage to him. I mean, he was philandering and, you know, they had, they had two kids. They ended up splitting up when the second child was like a baby. Um, and it's an absolutely hilarious book. It's, mm -hmm. It is a memoir. It is not fiction. Sometimes it reads like fiction, but it is so funny and you are just sort of, you just fall in love with the voice and it says something about marriage and about career ambition. I mean, it, a lot of it takes place in Washington, DC. It's uh -huh. not about New York literary people because he's a Washington post columnist or whatever. Um, but, and, and about the sort of social world of DC you know, the socialite kind of media sphere. Um, and it's a classic book. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and there are, you know, there are examples of it and there is this frenetic quality to it. Um, and I, you know, I, but I, so I think that, I think it is entirely possible. I think actually what you're part of what you're responding to rightfully so in this is that there isn't enough perspective. I mean, another thing that I always say, sorry to keep mentioning my students, but like another big, big lesson is that you really cannot write about your life experience, a, a life experience until you have enough <clears throat> distance on it to get a handle on it. Mm -hmm. People try to write stuff when they're in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. And you just can't. It's like looking at a painting, like with your nose up against it. Like you've mm -hmm. got to be able to back away from it. So, and I think, you know, Emily seems to be clearly still in the middle of this. So she, you, you yeah, really can't, yeah. you know. I didn't, is she, I'm not deeply impressed by this person reading this piece. I don't feel as if she's capable of like, 
I, I will never waste my time reading anything she writes ever again. That's for sure. But um, I, 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 if there was a, a maybe a greater entertainment value, perhaps, but I didn't find it entertaining. I found it enraging. So there was, um, for those who haven't read it and won't read it, I will read maybe little bits of it. But the parts I think that made me extremely angry as I was reading it, you know, as a wife and mother myself, were just how irresponsible of a partner and a mother she seemed to be throughout. And she seemed, you know, mildly self-aware of it, but not really. Um, uh, you know, uh, she talked about how she took care of all the kids and like what led to the breakdown, her, 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 you know, psychiatric breakdown, mm-hmm. but we only see her. Maybe this is just a, uh, this is just a side effect of like the way that this specific piece is composed, as you say, maybe part as from, you know, bits and pieces of a, mm-hmm. of a longer book, but all we see her being is horrible. You know, I hear from her perspective that she was this this mother who's giving to their children while the the dad's pursuing his dream of writing and 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 she's you know wiping up the noses and putting them to bed. But what I actually see her doing from her own description is being irresponsible, drinking heavily the whole time, you know. Yeah. From you don't our, see that she's but that it seems very self-aware to me. I mean, that kind of deadpan blunt tone is all about being being self-aware. I, that's how it sounded to me. Like that's how it landed in it, my ear. Even if it was self-aware, that wouldn't make it less nasty. Do you see what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. still it this is still like a you know, borderline sociopath talking about how horribly she treats other people, but I'm not sure why I'm trying to get into her shoes in the first place. Like why, why would I want to look into this mind and, and, you know, go through her secret. And this is her, this is what it's like being her. Why would I want to know what it's like to be this kind of a person? Um, Well, but, but okay. So let me read this little bit. That was like one of my highlights, more enraging highlights. She said, um, this is after she so she gets uh, institutionalized. She's on a bunch of medications now and she's feeling better. Um, and she has this like clarity. Uh, and she says that still, even though she had this clarity, she does still doesn't want to stay in her marriage. She said, if anything, I felt a newfound clarity. Keith and I had fundamentally incompatible selves. Our marriage had been built on a flaw. My husband was older, more established and successful in his career. These were the facts. So it had to be my job to do more of the work at home. Unless, of course, I decided to take myself and my work as seriously as he took his. But that was unappealing. I had managed to publish three books before turning 40, but but I didn't want to work all the time like he does. I wondered if my marriage would always feel like a competition and if the only way to call the competition a draw would be to end it. I like How that. do you feel? About, like, right. I, I assumed you. this is what you meant when you were talking about sort of this deadpan self-awareness. Yeah, and but, I mean, the fact is that there are a lot of women who don't want to work that hard. Sure. I mean, this is something that I feel like is unspoken. There are so many of these, especially like in the creative classes, like you've got all these women who are like, they're writers and then they're, they get married and like either, you know, he's maybe he's a lawyer, whatever he is like, and they, you know, supposedly they're doing their writing, but they're really 
not doing anything. They're, they're taking care of the kids. And there's this kind of, you know, if, if you're in a creative profession that does provide a convenient cover for the fact that you can really spend years not working, which is fine. But like the, the point is that there's such, um, a, a, there's such a defeat in admitting that you're not working because you're taking care of the kids that you, you know, there's a lot of people sort of, you know, fashioning themselves as, you know, working on a yeah, book for yeah. 10 years. I mean, it used to be everyone was a jewelry designer. I remember that. that, that everyone was, like, was I don't know anybody that was a jewelry designer. <laughs> that was about like okay. 15 years ago. And don't okay. get mad if you're a jewelry designer. There's some amazing jewelry that I have purchased from uh, such people. Mm. So nothing, no shade on jewelry designers. Yeah, but I think one of my aunts became... She started making her own jewelry. And she wasn't a designer. You couldn't call her that. But she, you know, she was yeah. bored. And, I mean, I couldn't make, I can't even like, work. you know, I can't even like, you know, use a paper clip properly. I could never yeah. make I mean, well, it's a hobby. It's nice. But, but, don't, but I, I, you, so here's yeah. what it is, is that mm -hmm. she, what bothered me is that she, again, I, I, I see what you mean about the self-awareness that is like, it's kind of there throughout. And it's nice to get this honesty, I suppose. But I guess when you rec when you see something horrible about yourself, what I want you to do next is feel bad about it, and then <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, I do, like, but I, that's not the point. This of is literature, like it's like it's like American Psycho. Like you you you're reading from the perspective of the psychopath and and seeing the world through his eyes, and he never apologizes for what he does. But I don't feel good about any of it. You know. But wait, 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 wait. If this was. Okay, but is that a flaw of the novel American Psycho? Well, I never read it, so well, it's I really, it's actually no, really but, good. I, but, I think American that's Psycho a really is good. Like a so, satire. so I it's think a good book. that if if this was <laughs> good comp comparison to this, maybe the writing wasn't good enough, or it wasn't entertaining enough, or it wasn't profound enough. There was something that I felt like it was missing, and I just, I, I just got the feeling that I watched, I just read something unseemly that brought me down like lowered me but there was nothing to gain for mm -hmm. that lowering it was just that's all it was i just so felt bad you, right i feel bad about these marriages i feel bad about the systems that create them i feel bad about our culture for elevating people like this i feel bad about her kids <laughs> like they're i don't know about how well they're going to be doing um What's up with writers marrying each other? This seems like a really stupid idea. It's a really stupid idea. Then why yeah, do you do it? Yeah, because they don't get out enough and they, you know, they just meet other writers at, at parties. And only a writer would be like stupid and self-loathing enough to marry another writer. N really? No, no self-respecting, like employed person would marry a writer. I don't know. I mean, but you know what? I have to say, I think part of the reason I like this piece is because she she doesn't blame the patriarchy per se yes. like there are yes. lots and lots yeah. of books like this and one of them especially coming out now there's another one i mean the other thing is she frames this as sort of a like a book review i mean this is why i think this piece is a little disjointed it kind of can't decide what it is and i think that's an editing issue because then you know sort of halfway through the piece she starts talking about these other books that are coming out you know the m millennial midlife crisis books and several divorce books there's one um by a writer named liz lentz uh, that is, um, about, uh, you know, sort of the exuberation of her, her, of her own divorce. And, uh, I haven't, I, I haven't read enough of that one, but I, I think that she does a lot of like patriarchy blaming there. And that to me is not interesting at all. Mm -hmm. I, I think Emily is, 
she stays away from that mm-hmm. and, which i and she she's really she's she's kind of self-lacerating i mean she's quite self-lacerating which right. i i appreciate i mean i guess my question for you is like does does the narrator of the can, like how how do you in your mind separate the narrator from the author hmm. in a nonfiction piece? Like because the narrator can be very unlikable. Like it's okay to have an unlikable narrator if the author is aware of the the extent to which the narrator is unlikable. Like you need to know that the author is in charge mm-hmm. ultimately. I feel like she mostly is in this piece, not entirely. Mm. Okay. You know, I, I, I see what you're saying and I agree that it doesn't feel as if she made a mistake here. Like it doesn't feel as if she wrote something that she didn't mean to write. Yeah. Right. Or that she is like this, this felt deliberate and that I I see what you're saying there. Um, But my lens is still from the, what did I get out of it? Right. Lens. Like I from mean, the consumer end, I think you're like, you're seeing it from the writer, from the, like as a, as a craft. Well, as know, a as reader, some, I'm just thinking of stuff I like to read. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like this out there hmm. and some of it is, Oh, I don't like to read stuff like this at all. So, but I mean, so not... do you, but do you feel like in order for you to appreciate like something that you read that's in the first person that the, the narrator has to be, like morally unambiguous, like they need to be. Ad- no, 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 not at all. But I, I, I need to have gotten something from the story. Okay. Like, so if there is a morally ambiguous, like, I think that's, I, I like unreliable narrators um, when I'm reading fiction, this is not fiction. So I'm not clear as to how unreliable I'm supposed to, like, h- how should, how far should I take that um, as a, as a reader? Um, but I, I do like it in fiction when I notice that that's what's going on. And I enjoy that because that's just another layer to, to have to decode, to figure out what actually happened. But I think I would be frustrated if I read a story that felt pointless, you know, that didn't have a, that didn't have any kind of a great truth or even an interesting truth or, 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 mm-hmm. or something about it that felt like, well, this was a good way to spend my time rather than just living out in the world and you know why did i do this versus anything else yeah no Um, i get that i think that's a very i think that's a very fair criticism and i think i think a lot of people are sort of so surprised that that they're defending the piece that they're perhaps not they're they're perhaps you know cutting it too much slack this is not i i don't think this is like a spectacular piece but it's i I don't think it's as terrible as most people were are as, as, as many people are saying what would you think if this were fiction I wouldn't like it. I don't know what the point of, like, what... Yeah. I don't really read fiction like this. I don't. I read, like, literature, like, the kind you could get assigned in class <laughs> in, like, AP English. I like that kind of stuff. A lot of this literature is not my... Or, but I uh, mean, this... like, The Catcher in the Rye is told by, like, a, ki- a guy who would probably be di- mm-hmm. be diagnosed with bipolar. Yeah. Now. Well, if you yeah. hate that, but... Okay, but I'm just... Tr- I'm trying to think of, like, the most basic like literature you would get assigned a a lot Mm -hmm. of it is told in the voice of extremely uh, unappealing narcissistic people it's it's not the voice that i mind it's that in those cases i usually feel as if something about the story something about the narrative something about the journey that the person has been on has helped me uncover 
something beautiful, something interesting, something true, mm-hmm. something, you know, like that, that it has allowed me to see something about the world that I would not have seen otherwise. I don't feel that way about this. Yeah. And I, I think I, I totally take your point. And I think that that is happening because um, the story is not over yet for her. Like mm. that's the problem is she's writing it while she's still in the middle of it. Mm. Like it, it's, it, it doesn't have a conclusion. That is mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be that, I mean, you know, they, they probably have to, you know, they, they, they need the money. So she needs to get a, a that's book out. That's kind of what this, I, so. I was running through my mind, yeah. frankly, that, <laughs> right, that exactly. she did this because yeah. Yeah. they needed to do this. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure Keith like edited the piece. I'm sure. Uh, Which is so like, I mean, even that, like if I love my wife, would I, or if my husband is about to do something like this, really a, like oh, like put a target right on his face, wouldn't I try to stop probably, him? Wouldn't yeah, I try think to... of all this stuff they left out? I mean, that's the thing. Like people read these sorts of things and they say, "Oh my gosh, how could she have said all this?" But it's like the fact is, for everything that's in there, there five there were a ton of, well, she did not include uh, the, the fact that she cheated on him. That was just like a line yeah, that was kind of thrown that in they there, thrown yeah. in there, and then they yeah. just and then she just walked away from it, and that was a little angry it's I, a it weird made, it made me it, yeah. it yeah it made me angry that she just sort of threw that there yeah. oh by the way i also cheated yeah. on him and he should forgive me for that and i'll for- try to forgive him for intruding on my literary territory like memoirs because he, he had the gall to write one i mean he I, did write a um, i mean they have their their son was like a very i don't want to say troubled necessarily but extremely difficult and had gotten like kicked out of this multiple is, preschools and this the, doesn't and he wrote a, a book about it. yeah i mean grossed you is, out a little bit like it does i mean i think young child be, he didn't yeah well i know i mean the, the I cannibalizing know. of your life uh for the for, for the sake reality of reality tv though commerce. you know this is what well, reality, it's this not is what no it's not quite as bad right well no but it's not quite as bad i don't know i think it's pretty bad reality tv you're not sitting there in the editing kim kardashian well maybe she she is is. but people in you know reality unscripted tv it's being manipulated by producers and people with like your absolute last they're not self-aware like the first season but then after that they know what's happening and they're Mm -hmm. working they're working but that's a different Um, that's a different i don't think that's a fair comparison i think that this kind of writing there is a tradition and it's not from it's not from unscripted television it 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 is it comes from it's from yeah i'm saying that it is the same that the 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 drive to consume it is coming from the same place not as a maybe the drive to write it is different than like the what's going on through her mind and the thing that she wants achieved mm-hmm. as she's writing it is different than what is the consumer mm-hmm. getting out of it. I can't see it being. In, you think it's entirely different. What do you think? Well, is, like, I think you're. Tra- I think very the different point of this kind of writing and reading is to help make sense of your life. I mean, look, I wrote a piece about mm. my divorce. And help make sense it, of your life of, of life like you're trying or, to like you know like you're the writer's make, well life as the as the writer you're trying to make sense of something but then you're also trying to offer something over to the reader right and say hey it's a generosity i mean this is why you don't want to be just notebook dumping like so it's, this it's not is where i think dump. this piece went on the wrong end for me which is i don't feel like what she was offering was something that I could take home with me. I think what she was mm-hmm. offering was exposure and 
something that to, to me it felt like it's like in giving me you know your nudes or something like i don't want to see that but now i know this now now i know all this um um yeah it's but for look, some people it, that it, is it something could be worse for all some i could people, say they is, like yeah. they like getting it. yeah yeah i mean you know it's interesting too um uh you know i i did hear some people talking about how men would never get away with writing this kind of piece and like if it was a man who just said he cheated and who acted like this he would be crucified um that's true especially now but you know i was thinking about it and it does seem like the male analog to this kind of piece is often an addiction memoir mm -hmm. it's like an unraveling it's like it's it's a it's it's an external force that has made him Mm. behave badly but isn't um, mental illness doing the same thing for her yeah but i'm trying to think like i cannot i mean i'm sure there's something out there but the, like the, the the sort of stories that came to mind of like abhorrent mm. male behavior mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah written yeah. by men it's very like i'm thinking of jerry stall's um mm -hmm. memoir permanent midnight about heroin addiction and like there's that faint there's scene where he's like sitting in the car with the with the baby in the car seat and parked somewhere and he's shooting heroin oh, God. and the baby's crying. I mean, you know, yeah, but it's like, that's a kind of brutally honest scene that I, that, uh, people remember. And then, but you know, the, the thing is, it's like, by the time he writes the memoir and the book is out, there's enough distance on the whole thing that he has come to some kind of conclusion. I think, I think the part of the problem with this piece is that it just kind of, gets lopped off at the end because she hasn't processed it enough mm, like mm -hmm. it's not it's not so raw as to be like a diary dump mm -hmm. but neither is it fully baked and mm -hmm. that's hard for a lot of people um, mm -hmm. but but you know it will be interesting to see all, all these uh all these millennials are 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 elder millennials are, are hitting the midlife you crisis mark i think it, i think it, this is this has to be your job this is what you do for the podcast. You're going to read these divorce books and we'll talk about it. But I, I can't, I don't think I can go through it again. I just felt <laughs> degraded the whole time. Mm. Um, and I felt sad for her husband. I felt terrible. There's just like one little line where she talks about how much weight he's lost. <laughs> it's horrible he's like well if it was the other way around if you can imagine like, if the man wrote about his wife she she she's lost so much weight she's so gaunt she just yeah, she's, she's gaunt but she just she begs me for a hug and you know this time i give it to her it's <laughs> like so if a, if oh, but it's, so, says, it's so sad that she can't but i mean i do think that people relate to it i mean it kind of it goes back to like betty friedan like the problem with no name it really it's it's a very you know, it was radical at that time in the in the seventies for women to talk. You know, the Diary of the Mad Housewife, like for women to talk about how you know be, being at home was making them crazy, mm. uh, and it some of it was definitely hyperbole, and uh, you know, but some of it was getting at something very real. Uh, and of course, you know, men have a, a, a tremendous amount of pressure too. I mean, the pressure to like, I, I the whole time support I'm feeling a sorry family. For husband. I mean, that not just that he has, if what she says is true, like if she is even a little bit reliable. And I will say that the priming that I had reading this wasn't just what I had read about, um, other people talking about it, but I saw like discussions on Twitter, 
um, or X, I guess is what we're supposed to call it now. But yeah, I, yeah. I saw some discussions Exeter. about it already. So I was kind of getting ready to feel a certain way about it. At the same time, I knew of this person. This is my only other introduction to Emily Gould. And I don't know if we mentioned her on the podcast. You guys probably like listeners can will remember if we have or haven't. But mm-hmm. I think we never we, we maybe we didn't end up actually discussing it. But she created, you know, a few months back um, a, a, a kind of like e-shop. Oh, that was a few uh, years ago. Mugs but yes, and yes. It wasn't t-shirts. a few months ago. It was a few years ago. It was a few mm-hmm. years ago. Okay. Why did I run into it recently? Because there was some I probably reason. sent it to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, she she created some mugs and t-shirts um, saying, uh, Pamela Paul, retire bitch. And Pamela Paul is a op-ed writer. <laughs> it's amazing that wasn't for, trademarked. I hope she wasn't. And this, yeah, and she's just somebody. like, you know, I saw some pictures of her, like, when her gear, um, I I didn't know yeah. what to do no, when it's I saw that. I, it was just so, yeah, yeah it was like, psychotic. Yeah. It was psychotic. Yeah. yeah. And no, maybe that's what was going on. She's actually literally psychotic. And that's why she, but, but, but here's the I thing. I wish she like, had if, included that in the piece. Okay. But maybe that would be more interesting. Like, I hope that in the book, she gets to the point. She's like, I'm so crazy. Like, I'm so crazy. Like, I actually create an Etsy shop around merchandise that says Pamela Paul, retire bitch. Like, that's how crazy I was. Like. I would love to see that on the page. Okay, but even then, it's like it here's what it is. It's like it's seeing somebody who is a social monster who is hurting people, destroying people's lives. I mean, maybe not her, maybe not her family. No, I mean that was a t- I mean it, but that I was I was shocked that it was she did disgusting. That. I mean, like, it, she, and I can't believe real, like there's just no adults colleague. in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who didn't why didn't anyone just say I know like, that's what what's are shocking. You doing? Exactly. But what surprises me is that despite the fact that she did that to a colleague, like this is just outrageous. Really a bullying. colleague. I mean, she's not okay. her. Co- I mean, she's not. Look, right, they if are I do that about you, community. like it would. Let's say we uh, stop wait, doing this. We stop working. That's together, a great idea. Not colleagues, and then hold I, on. That's our, Dom, we, we're gonna have merch. Meg, oh okay. my god, it's your. It'd be like Megan Dom, retire bitch, Sarah Hader. Okay. And what would mine be for you? Be like, hmm. Sarah Hader. Get some taste in music. Megan. Oh come on! No, we'll we'll come up with a better one, but we could do it. Um, and then we can judge our we can judge how how listeners feel about it. Yeah, they will right? take a we'll which take one a is vote. getting sold. Yes, <laughs> which one is doing better? Okay, but it, it, so what what disgusted me was that this is you know it's it's somebody in your like when I was in activism, it wasn't as if like every other activist would oh probably, God. but it's like <laughs> but like people were within we're, we're in the same like working groups we could possibly work together it was we're in the same field you know quote unquote and i could not imagine doing something like this yeah unless i was deeply psychotic but okay maybe she was but i was also a virtue signal because i mean yes Pamela because- Paul is uh considered such a pariah among the woke senti that uh it was like a, you go girl you know, I mean, right. it's absurd. I mean, like, why is she getting really tired, absurd? Is what I'm saying. Like, if I, if oh, well, it was also super ageist because she was, you know, yes, Gen X it, white. It, it was everything. It was it was horrible. Like everything about it was terrible. And then, it, and then she's still getting hired. Like Emily, Emily is still welcome. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, what? Like, no, you say you're she's... you're terrible. You're terrible. You go away, and here's your punishment for being terrible. We are not 
going to work with you anymore. It's what I don't understand is like, we're, we're willing to punish people for like bad opinions, but when they do horrible things, like objectively horrible things, like deeply unprofessional things, we, well, now we can't, we, now we can't have standards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this is how, um, sorry, I have two huge dogs behind me. Um, this is, uh, the problem with the media world now is that there's a there's a tiny there's like a clique of people who are on team emily which would be mm-hmm. anti pamela paul anti you and me kind of mm-hmm. kind of people and i would love to see them like the cut oh like my they are God. they're not everywhere there are they're running places like the cut i mean emily now has a as an advice column in, in the cut the, the uh, a little she's <laughs> mentally ill she's, know, but that's a, this that's is, advice columnists always are the, 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 the advice oh, column no, no. life is I, a mess that's, I a, that's a classic trope the the dear prudence column back in in slate well, back when it was when it was emily um, yaffe emily yaffe that was great right I but then it great. turned into daniel then it turned mallory into, yeah, another like another crazy person uh who's giving everybody else advice makes no i mean it just what's gross is that yes she does the pamela paul retire bitch and then if she writes about it now she's profiting off of some grief that she created for someone else but we're okay with that because she's being so honest and raw about how awful she is yeah no yeah that's what i meant meant, with the american psycho thing it says as if i was the psycho you know as if i as if the author killed actually killed those people and was like here's my raw memoir and I hope I get to be. You mean like, like OJ's? If I did it, <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. That's de- what this is. That I know. But Wait. for divorce, if I, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so I think we've covered everything with this piece. Have we? Have we covered everything? I, I mean, look, em- Emily. I, I've known her for a long time. Uh, she was not a fan of my book, The Problem with Everything. She reviewed it in book forum. And uh, people can look that, look that up if they wish. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh, yeah. I, we should read that at some point, maybe. Her review or my book? Uh, um, let's read her review book club and where decide we read my book, whether... and then people can, you know. Are you like with exactly. the professors that would assign their own books? Oh, bad <laughs> form. Yeah. Um, do you think there's something about this genre about? memoir as a genre that attracts like sort of very people who think of themselves as a very interesting subject like narcissists yeah i mean because it's also uh lazy lazy person's genre because you don't have to go out and do do any reporting Mm. yeah oh no believe me i hate that Mm. i write in this genre i hate it i hate it about myself but um you know the funny thing is it's like i've written you know, a lot of stuff like that, but I've also written much more of other kind of stuff, but the stuff that people remember is this genre. Like that's, yeah. that's a thing. Like for, for every piece, uh, but I think I've it was written. because yours went to that. It, it, it did that thing. It, it offered something back to the, I mean, to the reader. That's I think debatable. that's what it was successfully I, I mean, doing. I hope so. I hope so. I, I think so, but there are plenty of people who don't read it on that level and would say I didn't. You know, I mean, um, so there's, you know, offering insight on into a certain mindset, into a certain experience, into a certain generation. I think that's interesting. This just felt like a 
insight into a very specific person that is not generalizable because she has her own problems specifically. Um, and I think that, so it, it wasn't easy for me to learn a lesson, you know? Yeah. Um, and nor did I gain empathy for her <laughs> or, or a person in her I don't situation. Think she, I don't think she stepped back enough. I mean, I would love mm. it. I, I mm-hmm. would, if, if five years from now she had something to say about this um, phase. So if then. you marry somebody like this, so if you marry, she married somebody who's writing memoirs and he married. Well, he also writes also novels. Writer, and, right. So and they're, this, they're both, he's like a, so they're, they're he's both a public they, intellectual. Oh, is I've never heard of him before. Keith Gessen? But yeah, he yeah, he's yeah. he I've yeah, heard he writes Masha. for the New Yorker and yeah, his okay. I mean he's in the shadow of his uh sibling. Mm-hmm. Masha Gessen is non binary now. Looks exactly um like him, yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah, they look alike. Uh but you know, I, so do you if you marry somebody like this, is it like at any point your life could become yeah, I think like you know what center you're getting of into. Piece. And you know that. You know that. Yeah. Especially, oh, I mean, God. look, even if you marry a novelist, I mean. Uh, y- I'm okay re- with showing up in fiction form. I do not want to. But everybody knows. I mean. What, I don't <laughs> want my that. name. I don't want it to be like Keith. And then, you know, and here's when I cucked you this one time. Mm-hmm. Also, I was mentally <laughs> ill. Also, you were begging me to stay. Also, I mean, he just. Look, I mean, across. he married her. It's like the, the lovable train wreck. I mean, she was, she, he knew what he was getting into when he married her. I, I, I assume that mm. part of her appeal was this manic, you know, These hottie. The, I mean, look, she know, he These knew that. I mean, kids, okay, well, know? they like, knew. And the kid, God. yeah, I know. And the kid knew what he, he was getting the kid into. He knew what he was getting into. <laughs> um uh, the kid look they're, they they gotta the, the kids will write their own memoirs when they are grown. they will I, though. I mean that guy that kid definitely will because he'd be like my dad wrote all about me when i was five and was a troubled kid i guess and my whole life has been you know documented and in, in, yeah. in confessional writing pieces from both my parents and uh and now i'm f- super fucked up about it and now it's time for me to what do what what else is marry there somebody else in the literary world <laughs> oh god they'll just keep going um, let's going. hope all these magazines are dead by then yeah um, well, they already are so uh, that's the good news okay okay well um Living what else do we want yeah what else we want to tell we, we want to tell people about oh, some yeah. things yeah, yeah okay um we 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 are having another live stream uh coming up so you have to subscribe to our Substack, a special place that's substack.com to hear about when it's going to happen next and you can mark it on your calendar and show up we had a really fun time last time yes um and we did not no we didn't answer everybody's question or comment on everybody's comment there's too much what do you, also yeah you we that? had to our our some of our helpers were um were yeah saying, they were helping they, they were calling we the questions we were not seeing all of your questions so don't can, blame can, us i mean but can they like how of course we can't because it's like it's happening so fast like if i'm then we would have to stop and read and stop and read and we couldn't have like a normal conversation. Right. Then, we were... then they wouldn't like the conversation. That's true. Yeah. Then, then they would be complaining about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but but we did read quite a few um, mm-hmm. comments and it was fun to react to them like in, in real time. Yes. Um, and so that was fun. So that's going to happen again. We were a little worried about it. We were a little worried about how it'd go down, but it, it yeah, turned out to be like. Nobody would show up and be embarrassing. Yeah. And I was kind of nervous. I just like, okay, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to say the thing that I really, oh, like, will really regret saying. But we did have some, um, um, 
yeah, actually, so right. Okay, we had so some mistakes, and we had, had some, some cor- we had some corrections, don't we? Also, yeah, don't we have we, some corrections? There was some some. There was Carl Benjamin and o- o- Owen Benjamin, who I got confused, and we we one is one and the other is the other. Okay, that's a, that's and your correction. That's, that's it. <laughs> one of that them up. is one guy, the other is another guy, and there was a confusion there. So I'm okay. sorry. Don't yeah. really care. Uh, I also, uh, when we were discussing uh, air traffic control, I referred to the movie Pushing Tin, starring Billy Bob Thornton, who you did not know who, who he was. Uh, I referred I know to who it. He was he married Angelina Jolie back okay. when she was oh, young, okay. and he was like okay. cradle robbing, and it was disgusting. Okay, that's all I know. All right. Well, exactly. Okay. So I, I, uh, I referred to that movie as something's got to give. And the reason I did was because the New York times magazine article upon which the movie pushing tin was based was called something's got to give. And it was Hmm. written by, uh, pushing tin mean like a pushing a, like a plane through the air, I guess. I think it's probably like a, like a aviation uh, jargon or something. Pushing I don't know. Tin. Pushing tin. Like yeah. Pushing no. The, if, actually, if anyone wants to do a, a deep dive, I think it was, probably came out in 1995 or so by Darcy Frey. Um, uh, really amazing piece. Long, 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 long read mm. uh, in the magazine about air traffic controllers, and it was called Something's mm-hmm. Got to Give. So that's why I made mm. that mistake. But in fact, there also there is a movie called Something's Got to Give, directed by. Nancy Myers and I think and was, starring um, Diane Keaton and something or other. <laughs> one more. Co- there was a comment that I think I wanted to just, I, I won't cover it very much, but we discussed maid um, medical assistant. Oh yeah. Not the, not dying. the show. Not the show. Maid. Not the show. Medical assistance and dying <laughs> program in Canada. <laughs> show. And we discussed it a little bit. Um, and I mentioned a person that I knew that I had um, worked with in a like a professional capacity um, in, you know, some of the support groups and stuff that I was um, uh, coordinating and running. And uh, I mentioned that she was mentally ill and she 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 received um Made. She received made and and she was uh, she's no longer with us. And then somebody commented saying that the timeline didn't add up. Um, that when she was supposed like when she had died, that that this wasn't on offer. But in fact, it does line up. It's it's about it's it, it's her case in particular exposes all the problems in the system and how easy it is for people who are actually just mentally ill to get in line um and at at some point we should give it a whole treatment but there are there's actually um a documentary um about her case in oh. particular that's uh that yeah that's um i think it was an, um al jazeera america i believe that oh i'd like to watch that, that. great but but i i okay. and now i might have to offer a correction for that too but i'll try to find the um uh, the documentary and we can we can actually discuss the case um in more depth that's if, if people are interested in hearing about it but in any case it was not uh i did not misspeak that is what happened okay um no okay i'm sure you did so yeah okay yeah i just well i just wanted to you know, yeah defend myself uh, d- I totally to defend my uh defend your honor so what else what else what well if you subscribe you can get lots of things so um when we do the live stream we will publish it immediately afterwards for paying subscribers but everybody else will have to wait um and you know you'll get things like the sam harris part two episode Mm -hmm. 
which was, you know, he talked all about gender and. Um, oh, my gosh. Yes. It was very spicy. It was. We 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 tried to get him to. Well, yeah. we did. We tried to get him canceled for we our to own get, benefit. You know, but he did talk about going to a Taylor Swift concert. So that's a he close did. second. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. That was really great. Yeah, um, yeah, he was really. And we're gonna have some to more. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a mensch. Uh, okay, so anything else? Anything else? Nothing for nothing else for our housekeeping other than other than please rate us. Oh my gosh, we're going down again. What? Ugh, Megan, I don't know. It's probably me. I haven't oh. checked. I can't read. Who's, did I can't they read say the how whose fault it is? Oh. It's gonna be me. It's gonna no. be me. I know it's gonna be me. But whatever. It, I can't read it. I don't want to read it. It's gonna upset me. No, I'm going to take it really personally, never read your and then, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I try not to. So please, um, if you like any episode or any show at all, please rate and review. Really, really appreciate that. Um, does this work when I say this? Do people listen and then they do it? Does it work? I don't know. It must. We'll find out. Maybe we should. I think. Um, I think I because I often I I do forget to tell people to rate and review. Uh, if. We we should ask them to add something into the review, and that'll be our little like when we're reading it, we'll know that they'll have listened to this, oh, and reacted to this, like a um, word, yeah, or like a specific opinion or something, oh. like share something. Okay, hmm. okay. Well, we'll work on that. Yeah. Well. Okay. 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 Well. Uh, we we managed to get through this uh, whole time without talking about uh, the G word, gender. But I know yeah, you want to touch on it, uh, and we haven't no, talked. Well, we did talk about Pamela Paul's uh, really really good piece from a couple yes. weeks ago. Yes, so we yeah. do even that. though we've just talked about her, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, this is why that the fact I that Pamela Paul writes do. that kind of piece is the reason that she gets that treatment. So. Exactly. Well, um, I think it was just like a weird timing, and that's why we didn't talk about it. Otherwise, if we were, yeah, we had Sam on right around that time. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then we did talk about gender a little bit with Sam, and then, well, and and some of you guys were a little bit unhappy with with that part of it. Um, I noticed in the comments section, um, you know, and I I have a lot to say about it because. Definitely, Sam is far more um, credulous. Is that the word? Am I don't I know. Credulous. Right? I don't. Yeah. You know. I don't know if people are credulous or it's just not their lane. Or they're just like saying. they're just not going to die mm-hmm. on that hill. They have other hills. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they haven't. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't want to. Yeah, people yeah, have yeah. all kinds of reasons for. I think he did say that. I also think he said he also said that that mm-hmm. this is not the thing to like it, it is especially toxic but it's also like not the thing i want that's worth that's worth the toxicity mm-hmm. that is going to come along with it of course we he has more but... to lose than we do though so <laughs> that's yeah that's yeah fine. Um, we don't have as far to fall as uh some others so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> yes uh but also i mean he's taken on some really i mean he's taken on race and iq yeah. charles murray well, i mean there's yeah. islam before then you know I think he could do it, but I also, I agree with you that a lot of people just aren't, I, I think they don't see the harm. They don't see how extensive it well, is. I think they don't know um, all the different moving pieces. Like a lot right, of people right. still don't know what AGP is. Like a lot yeah, of people don't understand any of that. A lot of, of people were st- saying the same thing when I was talking about 
Islam way back in the day uh, and like how we should be able to critique aspects of religious faiths, even if they belong to minority communities and um, be honest about certain aspects of, you know, what they entail, because that has policy implications, actually. Um, uh, I was told much the same thing that, well, why are you, is it really that concept? Mm-hmm. Even though there was the war on terror was going on, even though, um, you know, people, pe- people would say that that was all due to something else, culture or just, you know, young men with a lot of testosterone and no other way to release their manly mm-hmm. frustrations except jihad. Um, and so people would hand wave it as this is actually all the harms that you think are, are a part of this one thing are actually due to something else. And this isn't really the thing we should be talking about. So I, I, I kind of feel like that's like what everybody says all the time, you know, like this is not how you should be spending your time. Like there's, there's children who are starving <laughs> you know, there's, there's, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's global warming I mean, is going on. Hello. The problem like, is, is that it's it, it, the baseline. It's, it's, it's disagreeing on what is reality. I mean, it just comes right, down to right, the right, most right, existential right, right. question most, you could get the, to. There is, well, that's what's it, it, philosophically, <laughs> this has to be more important than anything. I know. Actually, this is, this is how, we, this is what is true and yes. how we know what is true and what becomes policy and what stays in, you know, this kind of looser social realm. And I, th- th- these are very important questions and we are setting precedents today that I think we're going to, in, we're not just going to regret this. We're going to regret every yeah. follow-up yeah. decision that is made on the back of this one. And uh, yeah, I think more people need to be alarmed. I, I, I still say that. And um, um, I am very curious as to why there are a lot of people in this, you know, rationalist kind of space. So this is not exactly Sam Harris's space. This is like Sam Harris was in the skeptic new atheist world. That's where I come from as well. But there's like uh, this, this online rationalist sphere. Um, some of you are, might be aware of like listeners. I know the, the, the ones that who comment, I can tell they're like rationalist types from just the way they, they talk, but it's like, they'll say things about, effective altruism or whatever, but, um, or use specific jargon, like vocabulary, um, that is common in the rationalist world. But that is like an kind of an internet, uh, it's not philosophical rationalism. That's a different thing. If you Google rationalism, you're going to get something Mm -hmm. other than the rationalist community, but the rationalist community is a very real thing. It is, um, made up of people who are, extremely intelligent uh sometimes you know like very much uh in in like leading in development um of all these interesting technologies um so there are they that it's an interesting bunch of people and they have some interesting insights and their whole thing is about eliminating cognitive biases and getting ourselves to be less wrong about things right by by examining how we're um, uh, like how, what are the pitfalls that we tend to fall right, into? Right, and they're inherently anti-woke because of that, right? It puts them in that camp. Right, right. So it, they're interesting because they're, one, they're like kind of like nice nerds and nice nerds tend to be woke even if they're just like frightened into mm-hmm. it. So they have one, they have their, their nice nerdiness is kind of pulling oh, them in one direction. But at the same time, they are very logical thinkers, you know, and that's their, their whole thing is that they're, high decouplers yes, yes. so they're good at de- you know they're, pulling apart yes. two 
and 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 they write in a very specific way and um that pulls them away from from wokeism and and scott alexander is like the 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 sun around which <laughs> this little space um revolves and so it, it, i've always been very intrigued by the space partially because i'm a little bit like them you know i'm rationalist adjacent i've never considered myself a rationalist but i it i find the way that they talk about things very very appealing like deeply mm-hmm. appealing and kind of soothing mm-hmm. actually like it's it's it, it the same way that reading emily gould like upset yes. me she's <laughs> like, the opposite of this... a rationalist i think that's fair to say <laughs> yes like it, 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 in that same way reading like a, a a piece from scott alexander that's really pulling apart all these different elements of 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 a phenomena is um very gratifying to me so i get it i get them they're they feel like my people a little bit not fully at the same time they are super like they they, they are very accepting um of of the trans stuff and and the claims that 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 the the gender people make i find that to be really interesting really bizarre because they should be the first people to question it a lot of it i think is just social that a lot of there's a lot of um like trans women like you know the biological males who are identifying as females who make up who are, who are part of the oh, okay community. yeah um yeah a, a lot of it is that yes a lot of it is that these are their friends these are their and are those know, um people are they sort of later in life transitioners like agp types that have sort of like gotten I far is... on male experience and then transitioned is it like the martine rothblatt and jennifer pritzker crowd this crowd is a little bit younger than that so it's like uh and it's a little bit of autism. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think it's a, it's a little bit this of crowd is very spectrum. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's autism plus AGP. That's what yeah. it is. And it, it, it and hyper online and very, I, I think more alienated from their physical surroundings and their bodies. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think even they might consider themselves that way. And what's interesting about this community is that they really have less, you know, uh, sexual dimorphism than other groups of people. Like if you hang out with a bunch of rationalists, they kind of have the same nerdy vibe. They talk in the same way. Um, the girls are kind of, the, the girls play with Legos and the boys played with Legos and everybody played mm-hmm. with Legos when they were kids, you know, and that's, that's, so, so with them, they're, the logic of it is intuitive. That doesn't mean that it is actually logical, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, uh, so I, I, I find how they fell into it and or uh, maybe not fell into it but that they are much more accepting than what one might imagine to be really interesting right um and at some point i want to i think we should like i think that's so fascinating i think you're right and i I think that maybe like because so much of being able to parse this just has to do with being able to pick on like tiny tiny subtleties of physical experience and physical interaction Mm -hmm. like you know, I, I always thought this about like the kind of Me Too stuff, which was that you had these generations that were not able to negotiate a sexual situation that well because they right. were so on online and they just didn't have like the tools of being in physical presence with people as much. And like there's there's nothing sort of, you know, the unspoken kind of dance of like you know get you know like a, like a like an intimate situation and knowing like when to go forward and when to back off like that stuff is so intuitive and i, I there's a kind mm-hmm. of similar like uh 
cognitive landscape when it comes to, to, to gender and like picking up on why somebody mm-hmm. is the way they are and what that means and doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They approach the world in a very different way. It's not unlike the weirdness of like Penelope. Um, I wouldn't say that everybody's on the spectrum or, but I think something is different. Yeah. You know, there's something about how they approach the world is a little bit different and they, they need things to be explicit. Um, and I, I'm not sure how they parse the the intuitions um, that they, they feel, mm-hmm. um, whether they, you know, distrust them necessarily. I kind of do sometimes. Um, anyway, the whole thing is really fascinating. And at some point, I think we should talk about it. So if you guys have like somebody that you think would be a yeah, good guest totally. to discuss this with me, I, I, some, I feel some like more of an insight because yeah, no. I'm a watcher. I'm a lurker. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I also like, I feel like some of these folks would say like, why do you care? Like they would be the like, well, why do you care? Who cares? Like, l- l- let's play with Legos. Like, why, why are you so hung up on this? They, well, so the rationalists are less snotty about it. They don't. Well, not in a, not so in much a mean, the, I think they would care? very yeah, innocently yeah, yeah. be like, oh, well, why do Innocently, why do you care? They also, they're the ones who like, um, they're very optimistic and open-minded and they want to be nice and they want for to for this to be true so they think about all the different models you know maybe you know the 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 brain map mm-hmm. is you know the body brain map is misaligned and then they, they you know they'll, they'll throw that out there so they they are much more interested in coming up with new theories of that that might possibly explain what's going on um, which I find to be kind of sweet and like, you know, of course I'll play along. Let me, you throw it at me and I'll shoot it back. Not all of them are falsifiable with what we know, but still I I'm happy to do it. But I think you don't have to actually go that far. The logic inherent in what is being claimed right now is sufficient to dismiss it. Um, and yeah. And I, I, I think that that's a little mean for these mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that might be part of it yeah I'm I'm, I, I'm really interested I, I'm glad that you like actually defined this community because I'm seeing them as like I, I'm trying to get my mind around them because I also have thoughts about like how they feel about uh art which uh, if we can get into another art time. And they don't like art they're 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 like very pro transhumanism as well mm-hmm. like they're pro like modifications right your body and um uh, I don't want to trash it and won't trash it because I do feel like part of me feels like I'm like 40% like them, you know, yeah. like I, I get it. And I've, I gravitated towards their social circles, like just online, you know, just lurking um, on my own when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And well, they're smarter. I mean, I can that's understand their jargon. I know what, the I know what they're saying. Crowd, so. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're definitely, um, deep i don't know if it's deep but incisive thinkers like they're they're clear well they're dispassionate Um, i mean they do put facts over emotions which is appealing yeah or or they'll parse out the emotions and they'll try and make it explicit and then pull it apart as much as possible um there's value to that um yeah and anyway so that's another uh, for another time but i think we've uh we've gone on yeah it's late okay it's like 6 p.m here yeah i know Time for dinner. Okay. And then bed soon. You better you better refuse to cook that dinner and uh, spend all the money and uh, check yourself into a psych ward. 
and then get out by the next yeah. time we record. So. so, and then write about it. Mm-hmm. Write a great piece for you to you to dump on. You can dump on it this time. <laughs> no, you don't wanna. Are you gonna write about this podcast? No, I don't. Is have this time what to write I about up No, because like this you, is a long you game. Just said, you were just, just like, like write about you. Well, you yeah, you you were saying that you know when writers marry other like like memoirists, so it's like it's like being friends with a journalist is like maybe they're gonna yeah maybe you're giving I don't them write, you know i actually maybe no i don't write about people anymore i i wrote a a, a piece a couple of years ago uh saying i'm not gonna i think i was specifically saying i'm not gonna write about boyfriends anymore oh because there was a fantastic oh. piece uh maybe we should talk about another time i can't remember the details of it uh by a woman who had been talking she, she wrote this like incredible kind of mean piece about her boyfriend which was a fantastic piece but like such okay. a wrong thing to do I, and i was like this is a this is a great piece about a not great thing to have oh she had betrayed him in some way anyway whatever and i said i'm not gonna i uh i will you not write that. about okay. um about my my multitude of boyfriends i you know that, that, so don't, or don't your worry podcast partners. yes i won't uh, okay yes. all right no more thank you it's part I of my life is over okay okay all right all right, all right. see you next time Take care.